so excited for our episode today. I had the best chat ever with Alexis Hasselberger, a time management and productivity coach who helps people and teams do more and stress less via one-to-one coaching, group coaching, and workshops. I learned so much from this episode with Alexis, and I can honestly say that her first suggestion, her first tip, has completely transformed my life and how much I'm able to get done in such a short amount of time. So guys, this is amazing. Stay tuned, check it out, and let me know what you think. Bye. Hey guys, I'm Dawn Penzak, and I created a self-care program that helped me get my health back when teaching and life just got way too stressful. I truly believe teaching does not have to be hard, but you've got to have the right tools in place to help you tackle the stress, overwhelming demands, and crazy workload with a smile. Ready to feel better, lighter, more focused, and have a great year? This is the Calm and Resilient Teacher Podcast, and I'm so glad you're here. With the hard work you do every day, you deserve to be happy. Alexis, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited for you to share these awesome tips to help teachers fight overwhelm, to overcome overwhelm. I guess so they could they could get more done in less time and actually feel a lot better at what they're doing because the number one struggle of like over 50% of the teachers in the Calm and Resilient Teacher community are suffering so much with this idea that they never have enough time there's way too many things on their to-do list and they have no separation of like work and life and they're not present with their families and their kids after school because there's just so much to do. It's like they, they identify with, you know, constantly feeling like they're drowning. So I'm super excited to get into this with you today because I know how much this topic is going to resonate with so many listeners and so many people in the community because um, we all have the same amount of time and we need to use our time better so that we can get the things done that need to get done and then enjoy the rest of the, our life, right? So tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Yeah. So first, thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to be here talking with you and to be talking about my favorite subject, which is how we can do more and stress less, because I think those two things can go hand in hand. And in fact, I started a business around doing just that. So um, my background is actually in running HR and business operations in startups, where just like teachers, there's always way more to do than people to do it, right? Yes. So much to do, so many different stakeholders, trying to move as fast as you can, trying to serve so many people. Um, and I am a time management and productivity coach. So what came out of that background was that I learned that the skill, the superpower that I had was the ability to get a lot done, to prioritize appropriately and not burn out and not bring work home with me and not work, you know, insane hours. And also, you know, I, I have kids too. And so I also noticed something similar. Yeah, I had my first kid 10 years ago, almost 11 years ago. And I noticed that I was working full-time in an office and I had a baby and I was one of those crazy people making my own baby food and all of that stuff. And yet, like, I wasn't feeling the stress that every other mother around me seemed to be feeling. And so I started thinking, well, what am I doing that's different than everybody else? And then I started looking at other people who I seem to be successful in the areas of, you know, killing it at work, 
and also being really present at home and getting, you know, and feeling like they had time for themselves. And I started looking around and seeing what are, what am I doing differently? What are they doing differently? And codifying that into kind of my worldview now around time management and, and productivity that it's about systems and how can we offload the stuff from our brain so that we're getting it all done, but it's not clogging up our mental capacity all the time. So we can really be present with what we're doing with other people. So that was a long winded answer. Oh, that's so good though, because I mean, I can, I can totally relate to so much of the, the challenges, right? Of full-time job, the being at home, the making baby food, making <laughs> bottles, washing dishes, laundry, you know, there's just so much, right? Yes. So oh, I cannot wait to jump into this because I mean, admittedly, like time management is not something that I'm great at. You know, organization is not something that I ever excelled in as a teacher. That was like something that I always kind of struggled. I had to be very intentional about being organized because yeah. you have to be organized with all the, those things on your plate. Um, but even now as a business owner, right, there's, it's, a, it's hard for me to, to uh, figure all this out. So there's a lot of things I've learned from you through your blog. Um, such awesome tips that have really, really helped me. And I can't wait to dive into today because I'm going to learn so much more. So awesome. I'm so excited. Thank you for saying that. And also something you just said, just uh, sparked a thought on me that, you know, most of my clients, right? It's like your success. You run a successful business. You were a great teacher. Um, I'm sure all of your teachers are doing amazing. Right. But I think the thing that happens with my clients as well, is like, you got through, you got there through brute force, right? Mm. <laughs> Not yeah. through systems. Right. And so I think that's what leads to a lot of the overwhelm is like we can get you can be super successful and still be feeling stressed and overwhelmed. Right. What is it? What appears on the outside is not necessarily what's going on in the inside. And so I want to help people. And I, that's my, my sort of mission in life is to help people to get that calm and de-stress on the inside while getting all the stuff done on the outside. Yeah, you made a really, really good point about that ease and that flow because, um, yeah, it just, it doesn't always feel easy. It doesn't always feel like it's flowing. It, it oftentimes does feel like you're push, push, push. You know, you've got all these things on your plate. How is this possible? And then things kind of like fall off or deadlines are missed. You know, there's, there's just so much that, yeah. that happens when you have all that stuff. So uh, I can't wait for this. So um, okay, so we have three tips today that you're going to share with us, right, to ha on how to overcome overwhelm or how to feel better when you have a lot of things on your plate. What is your first tip for us? Okay, so first tip is going to seem kind of counterintuitive because we were told, at least I was told in school, that it's really good to have a good memory and we should memorize things and we should be able to use our working memory and all of this. But my first tip is actually don't rely on memory and write everything down. And I know that is so simple and your listeners might be thinking like, yeah, okay, we get it, write everything down. But I mean everything. So anytime you have a thought about a piece of curriculum that you want to do later, write it down. Anytime you have something that you need to do later in the day, that thought pops into your mind, like remember the milk, you know, you gotta pick up milk on the way home, write it down. Like get everything out of your head and into an external system where you can actually prioritize it. And let me give you a little example to kind of drive home why this is important, right? So I don't know if this is, and I'm gonna use milk as this example, but I don't know if this has ever happened to you. You are out and about, or you're doing work, whatever, and your partner texts you and they're like, hey, can you pick up milk on the way home? We ran out, baby doesn't have any milk. And you're like, yeah, no problem, right? And then what happens? Like two hours later, you're in the middle of typing an email 
and you're like, oh, remember the milk, and then you get distracted from whatever you're working on. And then, you know, a couple hours later, you're in a conversation with a student or a parent or something, and you're like, oh, remember the milk, and you kind of missed what they just said, you're not really being present. And then on your way home from work, maybe you remember, but maybe you don't, right? And so it's not actually very effective to keep it in our memories. And also it's pulling from our focus all day long. And it's not just one, you know, the milk, it's the 50 million other things that you got asked to do that day, right? And so when we keep it all up here, it becomes really hard for us to actually prioritize anything. And we often have that sinking feeling of, I must be forgetting something, I just don't know what. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I was definitely that, you know, um, memory type person. Like when I go to the store, you know, I was like, oh, I'll just walk the aisles and I'll like see what I need or whatever. And then it's true. When you leave the store, you get in your car, you remember the one thing that you really needed that you didn't get. Um, so when I started writing that down that list, it did feel so much better to go shopping because I knew I was going to, I was going to leave with what I really needed. And then, you know, if I see other, other things along the way that, you know, I kind of need or I might need or whatever that I could pick up, but, but it does feel a lot better when you write. Yeah. And I, I love your grocery example too, because I mean, I think, yeah, that's great. Dives on the point of you actually also have to check the list because like just a couple of weeks ago, I made, a, I had to go to the grocery store. I had like four things on my list. I get to the grocery store and I was like, I know what the four things on my list are did my grocery shopping, got home and was like, looked at my list. And I was like, oh, I actually had five things. <laughs> you know? And like, I had made the list, but I didn't check the list. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if you're, um, what, would, what would you suggest for like paper person versus digital person? Because I know for me personally, um, I like to write things down. I feel like I'm more of a pen and paper, pencil paper type person. But then I also see that 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 kind of hurts me in some ways so like what would you you have any thoughts on that i have so many thoughts on this yeah so i think that i like i am you know i'm a paper person too i always have a notebook next to me right while i'm you know while i'm talking to you i'm i was you maybe didn't notice but i was writing some notes down i was writing what we were talking about and things like that so i am always also a paper person but i think it's actually imperative to have an electronic system so I, I think it's imperative to have an app or a spreadsheet or something that has a date field that you can sort by and have that be your, uh, your kind of master system and then using paper to supplement that. So what I mean by that is like if you're a person who, you know, maybe you have an electronic task list and you just know that if that's up on your computer screen, it's kind of invisible to you. You're not really paying attention. Well, I would say keep that electronic system. And then use a piece of paper or a notepad to write down just the things you're focusing on that day or right now. So it's kind of like a, a it's kind of the duplicate of that in a way, right? Okay. Um, oh, and then also, you know, the reason that I, I keep a notepad next to me all day long is that I'm often in client sessions and I don't want to be going into a task app to like write things down when I'm trying to be present with them. So I write down notes all day long. And then at the end of the day, I will transfer things into my system. So if you're like me, you're writing notes constantly and you get to the end of the day and some of them are worthwhile and some of them were just, you know, you're writing it because people were talking. And so I'll have a little system where if it's something I have to do, I put a checkbox next to the note and then I know that's a thing I have to transfer into my system to be prioritized. Um, but there's also, you know, apps have gotten so good as well. So if you're a person who doesn't like paper and you really do like electronic and you just want to be in that world, 
um, you know, so many apps are, you can just voice memo into them, right? So exactly. if you're in the car and you need to write that, you know, just like voice memo it, it'll create a to-do. Um, there are, in most apps as well, have an email to task function where you can email, forward an email directly and it'll create a task for you. So there are a lot of cool features okay. right now. The, the app that I recommend most frequently to my clients is called TickTick, T-I-C-K-T-I-C-K. Uh, it has a, a great free version that I used for years. It has all the features you want and no bloat. Like it is a great, it's a great little app nobody's ever heard of. Yeah, I've never heard of that. I, um, I've heard of the app Swipes, which mm. I've used. Um, I, I've used it in the past and it was, it, it was pretty good. Like I, when I'm out for a walk or something and a, an idea would pop in my head, I would just put it in quickly. But the yeah. thing is, I just wasn't consistently using it. Yeah. So. I think that's the key too that I always talk about is you have to have one, one place where things go, right? Maybe it's one place for business and one for personal. So maybe it's two places, but I, I call it a single trusted system. Because if you have, you know, if you're using email as a partial to-do list and you've got a bunch of stuff in your head and you've got some post-it notes around your desk and you have a paper list that's like half abandoned somewhere on your desk, like mm -hmm. that is actually, it's impossible to prioritize because you have things in all of these different places and your head is just like, oh, go there, oh, go there. You, you need it actually in one combined place so that you can prioritize in a linear fashion. Okay, you just kind of described my life most days. Um, so <laughs> I am going to remember that one place. One place. Okay. Yes. We'll talk more offline. <laughs> okay, that's awesome. Okay, so what is your second tip? That The first tip, writing things down, getting things out of your, your memory. I love that. I think that's, um, that's going to be so helpful for all teachers who are just swimming in all the things, right? All of their their daily tasks and their weekly tasks, their monthly, you know, they just got so much stuff going on. So what's your second tip for us today? So my second tip is actually just kind of glomming on to the first one. And it's kind of, how do we get stuff out of our head? So it's not, so it's easy to say, write it down, right? I can say that, hopefully you'll do it. But you know, you, sometimes we need a framework to think about things. So I think about brain dumps. And you may have heard of brain dumps before, but a brain dump is as inelegant as it sounds. It's literally just like getting all the stuff out of your head in a kind of forced fashion, right? So you're like, not, oh, I think of something, I'm gonna write it down as part of the day. I'm actually gonna take five minutes right now and get all the thoughts out of my head, whatever they are. Um, and so sometimes those are unanswered, like I think unanswered questions, those are tasks, right? Um, you know, buy your niece a birthday present is just as up there with like design next month's curriculum, right? Like all of this stuff is swirling around in our heads all the time. And we often think about, writing it down just as like, oh, it's the big things, right? Just we write down our big things. I think you write down all the things. Like if I, if I looked at my, I'm gonna actually do it. I'm gonna look at what my personal to-do list says for today, and I'm gonna show you how granular it is. So I have um, look for Vancouver tickets to go visit my sister. Check that my kids made their lunches. Pack up a tent that is downstairs in our house. Thaw bacon, literally, like it is, I know we're having BLTs tomorrow for dinner, right? And so it is literally all the little things because those are often the thing, like, you know, you have to take the garbage out to the street once a week, right? You think you're gonna remember that, but it actually is causing stress on your brain because every once in a while you forget, right? Do my kids make their lunches every day? Yes, 
once in a while they forget, right? And I don't want to have that weighing on me or have it be an emergency. And so doing a brain dump can be a great way to just kind of like, be like, okay, all the stuff that's coming out. It can also be a great tip for um, just kind of acute overwhelm, right? So it's like you're sitting at your desk, you know you're, you've got important things to do, but you can't focus because you know, three students just came up to you and asked you for extra time on their, you know, on their papers and like some parent just emailed you and whatever. And you just sit there and you're like, okay, five minutes, get it all out. And that way, then you're able to look at that list and say like, okay, I'm going to do this first, this second, this third. It just gets it all out and your brain knows that you can put it somewhere else. It's also a really great thing to do. See, I could talk about this all day. It's really <laughs> great to do before you leave work. So like before you leave school wow. okay. and when you're transitioning to home, do a quick brain dump of all the stuff that's still in there. Because even if you're in the constant practice of writing it down, all, you know, nobody's perfect, right? And so doing that brain dump right before you leave allows you to be like, okay, these are all the things I have to do. And maybe you're like, okay, I'm going to do one of them tonight, but they're going to be here for me tomorrow. And I don't have to think about them anymore. And then the last, the last time that it's really important to do this is if you're someone who has trouble falling asleep because of all these thoughts going around, oh, I have to do this tomorrow, I have to do this, oh, I didn't do this today, what a, you know, all this stuff. Or if you wake up in the middle of the night with those kind of thoughts, keep a notepad next to your bed and do this just right before you turn off the light. Just dump out all those thoughts. They will be there for you in the morning. And it is, it's so funny because like sometimes people, I, my mom has had insomnia for like 20 years. Uh, and which is horrible, but she, I told her to do this cause she is often just like thinking, 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 thinking. And she was like, that's not going to work. Like I know what all the things are in my head. And then like a week later, she sheepishly called me and she was like, I tried that technique and I was able to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I've done the brain something at night before, right before bed. And that, ha that is great. That is really, really, really awesome. Uh, because yeah, like sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night, it's just your subconscious mind is in a cycle of worried thoughts, anxious thoughts, like whatever it is. And you don't even know what's there. Sometimes you wake up and you're like, what's going on? And sometimes you wake up with one thought that's like, boom, like so loud and crystal clear. And you're like, really? Like, I, I don't need to be worried about that right now. Or, no. So I love that. Um, I have a quick question about the brain dump. Yeah. Is it a good idea to combine work and personal so like teaching related things you know students lesson plan you know work and personal should there be like a column down the page with or just kind of a free write it so it totally depends right on um on who you are as a person so there is this concept of a segmenter versus an integrator and segmenters are people who like to have very strong boundaries between work and home. So these are people who do not like to take their kid to the doctor during a work day. You know, it's like, or sorry, like a segmenter. They don't want to be taking their kid to the, they don't want to take a phone call from their mom during their lunch break. They do not want to take their work home and do email from bed. Like they do not like the mixing of these two worlds at all. It just makes them feel better to have them separate. And that's actually me. I really like these two worlds to be separate. So I use two different systems, um, but when I'm doing a brain dump, I might have things for both, right? So I might just be putting them in, I'll put some in one system and one in the other, or maybe if I'm doing, like maybe it's the first time I've done a brain dump in a long time, I might just like bleh, all onto the page 
and then go and like add things to my very different systems from there. And then there's also integrators and integrators are people who just have much blurrier boundaries and that's totally fine too. It's a totally different style. Many CEOs are like this, right? Lots of people, um, I bet a lot of teachers are like this, right? Where there's like a bleeding in of work and personal just because you have so much to do and they're, they're and it, and it, your brain isn't separating these things. And so I, when I think about a single trusted system, I think if you're a person who's a segmenter, you actually want two single trusted systems. So I have two separate systems. But if you're an integrator, just put it all in one place. And that's, that's probably going to work a lot better for you to have everything all in one place because you're not experiencing a separation between these two things. Is it okay? Is it healthy, I should say, to not have a separation? Because um, a lot of teachers in, in the Calm Resilient Teacher Tribe or the community, they, it's frustrating for them because they feel like they're never present at home with their own families because they're always thinking about school and, and their to-do list. And then they also, a lot of them struggle with the boundary and the yeah. boundaries. So um, like for people like that who are, who right now are living like the integrator life, everything's blurry, the boundaries are blurry. Yeah. Things are constantly overlapping. Like they're doing lesson plans at 10 o'clock late in their bed, you know? Like what could you suggest for people like that to like the first step for them? Yeah, so I would say that's a really good point, right? About 50% of the people who identify as an integrator, and that's like most of the country, um, don't actually want to be. There are these people who are experiencing some kind of, you know, dissonance or friction at the fact that they are, they want more boundaries, right? And so if you're a person, so the first step is to say like, do I like it this way where everything's all blurry and I'm doing lesson plans at 10 o'clock, but I also know that I can, you know, go pick up my kid in the middle of the day or whatever. If you like it that way, no problem. That's healthy. If you don't like it that way, and that's probably the population we're, we're talking a little bit more about, then we wanted to start to create some boundaries, right? And I actually think that the, it's harder to create boundaries after you've had none, right? We have to pull back a little bit. Um, but I think that we can do it. And part of it actually is in using these brain up strategies and things and also blocking out our time. So I don't know how many, you know, how long teachers stay after school, but I know that at least when I was a kid, teachers were staying, you know, a few hours after school to be working on different things, et cetera. Or maybe they go home and pick up their kids and then they still have some work time that they want to do. But actually blocking out when you're going to do that work time and then having a finishing up process at the end where you do a brain dump and et cetera. And then you kind of move into family time where you put a bow around the work that you have and you've said, okay, I'm not doing anything else till tomorrow. You've done a brain dump and then your mind actually can let go. So you have to actually like put those barriers in place and, and combat that feeling of, but there's always more to do because there, there will always be more to do, right? You could work until 11 PM every single night for your entire life. And there would always be more to do. Right. And so that's just part of like the accept, I call it task realism, right? It's like, yeah, we're going to die someday. We're going to have a long list of things we didn't do. And that is okay. It's fine. That's part of life. It would be boring if we finished everything every day. We'd have nothing to strive for. But what it does mean is we have to get really clear about priorities and about just making sure that at the end of the day, what we did do was more important than the stuff that we didn't do. And so putting kind of, a, this is kind of a long-winded way of saying, but like putting some boundaries around that. So maybe it's that you say, one night a week, I'm going to work after dinner from you know 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Or, or maybe you say, maybe you're taking baby steps. So you're like, 
one night a week, I'm not going to do that. Right. And then the next week you add another day where you're not going to do that. And you block out that time separately, or maybe you do have too much time stuff to do. And so you say, you know what, I'm going to work on Saturdays from nine to noon, but after that, no work, right. I'm going to focus that time so I can get the work done, but I'm not going to have it bleed into every area of my life. Does that answer your question? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's great. And I, I, I love that. I've started to do a little bit of that personally for me, like actually Saturday from, from eight to 11 on the days when my daughter has a carpool where somebody else is driving her to dance, I'll work for a little bit. And then it's like, I get so much done in those three hours. And then the whole weekend, then it's like, okay, I I'm off, like I'm off duty. I'm, you know, and then, yeah, I love that. So, um, what is our last tip for today? What is tip number three? I can't wait to hear about this. Okay, so our last tip is it's called the one touch rule for email or really any kind of messaging that's coming in, right? And before I tell you how to do it, I'm going to tell you a story and you can tell me if this resonates with you. So you open up your computer, you check your email, you open it, you know, read an email and you're like, Ugh, I don't want to answer this email right now. And so you mark it as unread. <laughs> and then two hours later, you're checking your email again and you open up that same exact email and you read it again and you think, mm, not ready to answer this email yet. And then it's getting to be five or 6 p.m. and you've gotta go home and pick up your kids and this email really needs an answer. And so you read it again for the third time and then you're finally like, okay, I have to answer it. So you just answer. Has that happened to you? You basically just described my, my entire life. Okay. I, yeah, my whole, and then for me, cause, because my email is so disorganized and I won't even tell you how many thousands of uh, emails are there, but um, I can't find stuff after that. Mm -hmm. Like it gets lost and then I'm wasting so much time looking for it. So right. I, this, I, I, I can't wait to hear what you're going to share with us now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. So it's like, not only have you wasted time by reading the thing three times, but it's been in your mind kind of pulling out your focus all day long because you're dreading having to reply to it, right? And then you can't find anything later anyways because everything's like a half unread, half not, and like, you know, there gets too many. And no shame around your email box. Like when I work with people who've got tens of thousands of emails in their inbox and I get them to inbox zero, like we get there. So the way the one touch rule works is that you're gonna only touch things once. So what this means is that first, you're gonna wait to check your email until you have time to deal with your email, right? None of this like reading an email right before you're about to go into a big meeting, even though you know you're not gonna be able to deal with it, right? Because what does that do? It creates stress because now we're thinking about it. We're like, oh, I gotta answer this email, but we can't do anything about it because we're about to go into a meeting or about to go teach a class or about to do something else. And so it's pulling our focus. So first step is we just wait. We don't do email until we have time to do email. Then there are only three things we can do with any email. The first thing we can do is that it's informational. So we just archive it or file it or whatever we do with emails that we don't actually have to respond to. Maybe we delete it, maybe we unsubscribe because it's on one of those lists that we don't really wanna be on anyways. But whatever reason, nothing we have to do to it, so we just get it out of our inbox in whatever way works for us. It's important to actually get it out though, right? So that we don't have an inbox full of stuff that's just red, but is like messing things up, right? The next thing that you can do is that you have the response 
even if you don't want to reply, you know the answer. And so you just respond. And so this is kind of about the hard part, right? It's like, we are so used to being like, eh, I'll do it later, you know, whatever. Just, you just are going to force yourself to respond. So it's like, I have the answer, might be uncomfortable, don't quite know how to word it, not going to worry about perfection, I'm just going to get out the answer. And then the last category is that it's something that you don't have the answer to. So maybe you need to ask someone else, maybe it's a task or a project someone's asking you to do, you, but for whatever reason, you don't actually have, you, you are incapable of answering right now with a full answer. And in that case, it needs to go into your single trusted system because it now represents work you have to do, right? You have to find the answer. You have to spend some time doing the project, whatever it is, to put it in your task list so that it can be prioritized and you respond to the person saying, got it, I'll get back to you by X, Y, or Z, you know, or whenever it is. So it really, with this one touch rule, I'm really limiting what you can even do. Like there are only three options and you can always do one of them because everything fits into one of those three options. That's awesome. Um, so I have a question. Yeah. Okay. So you've mentioned a couple times the single or single tested system. Yes. Is that the, the tick tick? Yeah. Your app or whatever okay. it is. So if, I mean, you know, if you want to go against my recommendations and be a full on paper person, it's your notebook, right? Or your bullet journal okay. or whatever. Um, but I think from the, I think the reality is that like, for most people, an app is kind of necessary because we have too much stuff to do. And it takes a lot of time to write and rewrite and figure out what priorities are if you can't sort things. Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, I love that that idea because, you know, I know we were talking before we started recording and I mentioned my struggle with paper and pencil being that like, there's just words and notes everywhere. And then you're right. Like after a little bit of time, not even that long, like a day, you're adding all this stuff, right, that came into your day to do, and then you don't even know what's most important, what you don't really have to do, what you can delegate to someone else, what you can, you know, everything just becomes this like huge mesh. So I like, I really like the idea of putting everything into these digital systems so that you can reprioritize. Right. And, that, and then you're not ending the day looking at a million things that you didn't get done, feeling right. frustrated and upset and, oh my God, I can't, I can't do this. There's just too much. And then it's just like a whole cycle, you know? Yeah. Back to task realism, right? It's like, this is why I actually think it's really important for whatever system you're using. Like the method of task management that I teach to my clients is system agnostic, right? So you can apply it and the principles, whatever app or whatever, you know, even on paper, whatever system. But I think that it's so important to have it in that one place and have a date field so that you can actually assign yourself stuff to do when you have time to do it. Because I think, you know, I always think a list is not a system, right? A list is just a whole bunch of stuff that has the same visual weight. And even when people are using dates, usually it's like 90% of the stuff is today and like, you know, 5% is tomorrow and then 5% till the end of time. But the reality is we're not getting 50 things done today because we don't have time to get 50 things done today. And so if we look at our list and we're like, oh, I have all these 50 things to do, and then we don't do them, we feel bad about it, but we weren't gonna do them anyways. Like there was no possible way we were gonna do all of those things. And so using an app allows you to say, you know what, on this day, I actually only have an hour where I'm not teaching and I'm not with my kids. And so what are like the two things I'm going to do? And I'm going to put those things on my list and then I'm going to feel good about it when they're done. And I'm not going to feel bad about all the other stuff on my list 
that I didn't assign myself for today because I'm not going to be able to do it today anyways. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's great. That is so, so, so good. Um, I love that. How many, how many things do you typically recommend people can actually accomplish in a day? Is it three? It's, I mean, that's such a hard question because like things take different amounts of time, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. Like it's not, you know, it, it, and it so depends on like, what your schedule is like and what and like are you able to so I mean this is a non-answer but it's like in my world so like I I have client I'm in client sessions probably I don't know nine 70% of the 70% of my like business hours I'm like working direct with a client or doing a workshop or something like that and I typically will assign myself approximately 60 tasks to get done in the whole week okay it's t- so it kind of like it's somewhere between 10 and 15 a day, but a lot of these tasks are very small. It's like follow up on the proposal that I sent out, right? <laughs> like, uh, like two days ago or whatever. So like, it, it really depends. And what you want to do more than like, here's a number of how many tasks you can get done is look at what time do you have available? Like what time do you actually have available? So what I mean by this is, you know, sometimes people are like, well, I have an eight hour day and I'm in meetings or classes for three hours of that. So I have five hours left. You don't have five hours left because how long does it take you to do email and Slack and like those just minutia things that you have to do every day? So you got to subtract that. Now maybe you have like two hours left. So now what can you actually accomplish in two hours? Maybe it's like one lesson plan, right? Maybe it's like I, in this two hours, I'm going to get down this one lesson plan. Or maybe it's like, actually, I can knock out these 15 emails to these different parents who have emailed me this week, right? So it kind of depends. And you have to look at the time that you actually have available in reality and say, what can I get done in this period of time? Okay. Okay. Good. Sounds great. So Alexis, this was awesome. And thank you so much for sharing these tips because I, I really truly believe that, um, that there's so many teachers that can resonate with with at least one of the things that you shared. I mean, you shared three tips with us that were great, but there were so many other little nuggets in there that, um, that I'm really excited for people to listen to and to start taking action on, you know, doing something to help them with the overwhelm. So I'm going to, so for the listeners, I'm going to link um, in the show notes, the apps that Alexis mentioned so that, you know, you can, you can check those out. But Alexis, you, you have something really special to share with the audience as well, right? Can you tell us a little bit about I, your... Yeah. So what I want to share with you guys, if you, um, Don will put my website in the link and you can go to my website and you can download a distraction minimization action plan. And this is going to take like five minutes of your time and it is going to save you hours every week in doing so. And the reason this is so important is that when we are distracted by things, when we interrupt ourselves, when we get distracted by the dings and pings on our phones, when like a student comes up and taps us on the shoulder, every time we are interrupted, it takes us on average 23 minutes to regain focus on what we're doing. And most people are interrupted or distracted every 11 minutes. And so if you do that math, you can understand why we feel like so busy we're doing this stuff all the time and like we're not screwing around we're not checking facebook in the middle of the day but still nothing gets done off of our to-do list and so i have in this distraction minimization action plan some ways for you to think about what are the things that distract you most 
and then some super actionable, easy tips to start reducing those distractions so you can get back more focus and de-stress. Oh, I love that. I love that. So I'm definitely going to link that up in the show notes as well so you guys can grab your distraction minimization plan and start getting more done in less time, right? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alexis, for being with us today and for sharing these awesome nuggets of, of time management um, wisdom with us because it's definitely a huge challenge for a lot of really busy teachers with so much to do and very little time to, to get it done. So really appreciate you having you, you know, taking your time today to join us. So thank you. Thank you so much. Super fun. Thanks so much for sticking around to the end. You are awesome. If you are a part of the CRT community, I know you're a person who values serving and helping others. If you found value in this episode, please share with one teacher who could use some extra support right now. When we join hands and work together, we can do way more good in this world. If you're not already in the Calm and Resilient Teacher Facebook group, make sure to join the conversation over there as we help teachers thrive and stay in the classrooms where they're needed most. Thanks again and see you soon.